Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. So we are on a two-week series, Let Your Yes Be Yes and Your No Be No. Last week we covered the yes. Today we're going to cover the no. And our scripture text is James 5.12. It says, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth, by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. And I say to you, there's never been an hour that has been more important for a Christian what to, what to know to say yes to and what to know to say no to. I'm gonna try that again. I, I, need, I need you with me today, church. I've really, I've really uh, travailed about this, this message today. There has never been a time that I know of in the history of the church where believers need to understand more what they need to say yes to and what they need to say no to. Last week, we talked about the yes, and uh, if you were not here last week, you can watch that message on Facebook, YouTube. You can watch it on podcasts, um, lots of means to catch that message. The, if I just give a synopsis of the message last week, say yes to Jesus all day long. Amen? Today, we're going to talk about the no. And uh, number one, say no to temptation. Now, listen, I have a concern about some things that I see in the church. One of the things, I've, I've been around a while now, I hate to almost admit that, but I've seen trends come and go, and you know some trends aren't bad, but it seems like the current trend in the church is for everybody to say, you know, I'm weak, I am messed up, and I am, uh, you know, I sin all the time, and um, listen, is our focus to be on our weaknesses or on his strength? Should we be honest when we're struggling? Yeah, but listen, you know, the statement, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a sinner who fails. Okay, can I remind you this morning that if you are a Christian, you were a sinner, you accepted Jesus as your Savior, he forgave you over your sin, empowered you, and in his eyes, you are now a saint. Come on, you're a saint. Well, show me that in Scripture, Pastor. Here it is. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to all the saints in Ephesus. Now, who was he talking to? Was he talking about just the few people in the church who, who really had it together? Or, or, or does God see all of us, his kids, as saints? Yeah, you became a saint when you got saved. You were covered with Christ's righteousness. Amen? Come on. How about this one? Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the, there it is again, say it, church. Saints in Christ Jesus together with the overseers and deacons. Look, if you come to me and say, well, pastor, I'm just a poor sinner. I'm going to say, I would like to lead you to Jesus. Because if you're a poor sinner and your, your thoughts of yourself, you're a sinner, what do sinners do? Yeah, yeah, sinners sin. But if you're called by God to be a saint, what do saints do? Yeah, saints live right. Amen? Come on. It is natural, okay, for a sinner to sin. All right, let, let me help you with the illustration. Who in the house is a cancer survivor? Where are you? If you're a cancer survivor. All right, look at those hands around. Okay. Now, when you discovered you have can had cancer, is the goal to have less cancer or no cancer? Cancer, because cancer is a foreign body. It's a foreign object. It's something that shouldn't be in our human body. 
And if you are a believer, sin is a foreign object to you. You're righteous now. It's an invader. It's something that God doesn't intend to be there. The goal, the end goal is not to sin less. The goal is, God, help me not to sin at all. Do Christians sin? Is there forgiveness? But who are we looking at? Are we looking at our weakness or are we looking at his strength? Church, we need to learn how to say no to temptation. Look at this verse. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Does that say they don't sin? No, it doesn't say. It says to continue. Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. How many know when you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in? And you know what happens when you sin? Stop that. Foreign body inside of you. Yeah, I heard a beeper. That's the Holy Spirit conviction beeper there. Yeah, you can sin. How many of you know before you met Jesus, you sinned and didn't think nothing of it? And now you're saved and you sin and you feel like you broke the heart of Jesus. What happened? You have the Holy Spirit living in you now. Come on, somebody. God, help us to see it. I fear there's a trend even among pastors. Well, I'm just a sinner. I sin like all of you, and I mess up like all of you. And everybody cheers. Yeah, our pastor's just like this. He's just as broken and sinful as us all. And I'm like, what? It's like, you don't need it. Listen, I'm not perfect. I mess up, but you don't need a broken, messed up pastor to lead us all to who knows where. Come on, I'm trying to point you to Jesus. He is strong. He's able to keep you from sin. He's able to deliver you and transform your life. Can you say amen? How about this verse? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Why do we submit ourselves to God? Because we understand in and of ourselves, we still have a human nature that has a tendency to sin. I'm not talking about trying to resist in your own strength. You're gonna fail. So I submit to God. I come under his authority. I come under his strength. And when I do that, I can then resist the devil. And if I resist the devil, he will flee. All right? Here's the problem that I see for many. And that problem is they are too, they're, they're not firm enough when they resist the devil. I'll give you an illustration. Say I'm walking down the street. How many of you walk your neighborhood once in a while? All right. And let's say my neighbor a couple houses down has a chihuahua. Any chihuahua? Where's, where's my, we had, a lot, we had a whole bunch in the first service that had chihuahuas, all right? Now, I picked a chihuahua because chihuahuas can be a little feisty, but they're probably not gonna bite your leg off. You know what I mean? They might, they might nibble at your ankles, but they're, 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 pretty, they're pretty small, all right? So, so my neighbor's chihuahua, as I'm walking down the street, is on the porch without a leash. It sees me comes barking at me full speed. Okay, now what does it mean to resist the chihuahua? Okay, I mean, hey, back down, little buddy. You, you understand? Now, we're not talking about a 150-pound pit bull. You better run for that one. We're talking about the chihuahua. And li- listen, you need to know this. Do you know the Bible says when you see the devil, you're actually gonna say you were the one that caused all this world's trouble? He's more like a chihuahua with a bulldog bark. You you, you understand? Okay, the the Bible wouldn't tell you to resist him if you couldn't resist him. Okay? The problem is we need to understand that when we are to say no to temptation, we need to mean it. Not think about, oh, I can really use that right now. I'm going through a hard time. That would feel good. No! Are you listening this morning? 
Come on, we need to learn to say no to temptation and mean business. The actual way to deal with temptation is to repent, which means to change your mind. The more you think about it, the more it will arouse emotion in you and the more you're leaning towards doing it. But if you could say, no, I'm gonna change my mind and think about something else. Wouldn't it be nice to be in Florida right now, sitting by a pool? Come on, somebody, out in the bay, fishing for striped bass or something you can think about other than temptation, but learn to say no. Is anybody in the house listening this morning? Come on, somebody. James, Jude, 24 and 25 says this. To him who is able to keep you from falling. Who's the one who's able to keep you from falling? Jesus. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and without great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And I promote, propose to you, the closer we get to Jesus, the further we get from sin. You understand? That's our goal. Let's keep going after him. I'm not trying to condemn anybody who's struggling. Do I sin? Yeah, but my eyes are on him. The more I stare at myself, the more miserable I get. The more I look to him, the more I find strength. Are you listening this morning? Let's say no to temptation. Number two, say no to distracting priorities. You and your family at this hour need to be in the house of the Lord. And the Bible tells us this is to be a priority. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Is that what we're doing right now? As some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, we will see an increase in hellish attacks upon our culture, upon our lives, upon our families. And that being said, we're gonna have to learn how to say no to certain things. Come on, church. We're gonna have to learn what to say yes to and what to say no to. Let 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 me just make this practical. Does our culture care about your church attendance? Does your culture, does our culture care about your Christian growth? Does your job care that you worship? You understand we live in a day and age when no longer is anything really sacred, so the sacredness is on you as a believer. And you're gonna be the one that has to say yes to some things and no to other things, amen? All right, give you an example. My son Luke likes to play baseball. Unfortunately, he broke his ankle the Sunday before his first practice, okay? And uh, you'll see him hobbling around here. I think our Royal Rangers crew just got back here. He's, he's around here somewhere, but, but, but anyway. So as we anticipated the baseball season, I looked into the team we played for last year, and they practiced Monday, Wednesday. I'm like, well, that's not going to work for me. I want my, my family in the house of God on Wednesday. I treasure my kids being here. So I called around and found the league that practiced Tuesday, Thursday, and then I would have had to drive a little further to get to that practice, to get to that, that place. But to me, it's well worth doing whatever you have to do to keep the priorities in order. Because if you're not careful... Something that ought to be a number one priority can move down to three, four, seven. Are you listening? You're gonna have to say no. Failure, listen, failure to say no, and I'm having trouble with my little clicker here. I have to push it about seven times. We're getting there. Failure to say no to things which threaten the priorities of God could mean that other things move in front of the things of God. How about this verse, Philippians 2? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, then don't miss this, 
continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean to work out your salvation? To work it out means that every day you're faced with choices. Some lead you closer to the Lord, some you lead it away. And you are to work out those choices with fear and trembling. In other words, I need to be careful lest I find myself making choices that put Jesus at a lesser priority. I, I can't make those decisions for you. You have to work that out. And you are to work it out with a certain intrepidation. I need to be careful lest I make decisions that might seem nice at the moment or my kids are in favor of, but ultimately could lead our family further from the Lord. Listen, a 2015 study revealed that 26% of parents whose children were involved in high school sports were hopeful they would turn pro, 26%. How many of those high school athletes will actually turn pro? Way less than 1%. What does that tell you? Parents have some unrealistic expectations, but can I tell you something I know for sure? 100% of those students will stand before God someday. Huh? Remember this. There can only be one number one thing in your life. And when it comes to that, I love this verse, Mark chapter 12. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you have to work out what that means to you and your family so that he is a priority. Which means you're gonna have to learn to say no to some things. Everybody still with me this morning? And number three, say no to this world's thinking. Titus chapter two says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us, get ready, to say I ain't gonna send the devil fleeing. We're gonna try that again, all right? It teaches us to say no. better. To ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. What, what is ungodliness? What are we to say no? Ungodliness is really anything that goes against God. All right, just poke your neighbor and make sure they're awake because I don't want you to miss the next 20 minutes here. All right, all right, listen. There is unleashed upon your family, Christ Church, a demonic assault like I have never seen in my 40-some years of being a Christian. Okay, I'm telling you. Understand there are two institutions that God loves and the devil hates. The devil hates family and he hates Jesus' church. He hates your family because he knows that a family that sticks together and puts Jesus first is gonna produce godly children. And he hates the church because it's you all who are gonna be in heaven and not him. I mean, he hates, so he will attack. His attack is always focused at the family and at the church, all right? Who has God given the responsibility, answer's already on the screen, to raise your children? Whose responsibility is it? Would you all agree with that? Well, there are those in today's culture who feel like they would do better raising your kids than you would do. Point proven, all right, and this, is, this, is, this was this week, this week. In the state of Washington, 
a bill was passed by the legislator that if your child comes to you and says, I'm a little mixed up who I am. I'm a boy, but I think I'd like to be a girl. And you say, look, you're nine years old. There's no way I'm gonna give you hormonal treatments because the truth is the chances are this phase is gonna go away in your life. And if you have kids, this week they wanna be a dog, next week they wanna be a cat, you know what I mean? It's, it's like they go through phases. Okay, if in the state of Washington your kid says, I'm not happy with that, and they run to a safe house, the state of Washington will give hormonal treatments to your child without your permission. Okay, listen, listen. Now, it had to go to the governor. I, I've not followed through whether the governor signed that. But that is the culture that we live in. And I'm telling you, church, somebody's going to have to learn to say no to some of what is happening in our culture right now. Are you still listening? Come on. There it is. The legislator, that, that's it, okay? Genesis 127 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. How many of you believe that when God created you, he didn't make a mistake? Now, I realize there's latitude within the word female and the word male. And here's what I mean by that. There's females who are very feminine. And there's females that you wouldn't want to mess with if you're a male. And, and, and that's all under the category of female. There, there's a certain latitude. I don't want to put a peg and say, this is what you have to be if you're female. I think we make a mistake when we do that. And then under male, there's macho men. And there's men not so much. And that's okay. Everybody understand what I'm saying? We got, we got to be careful. We don't make this circle too small um, lest people feel like they don't fit in there. So there's latitude under male and there's latitude under female, but there's still only two choices. God-given, male and female. Listen, the thought that you could be something other than what you were born with is a demonic construction not based on reality. It is a lie. And I'm going to prove that right now, okay? Even if you got every surgery possible, okay, the Maryland legislature, this isn't my notes, but you need to know this, because it's important who you vote for at this hour. Maryland legislature just finished their session. One of the things they voted on is all kinds of surgery for trans people paid for by your PAX dollars to make sure the nose can be adjusted and the face can be adjusted and everything else can be adjusted, paid for by tax dollars. Why are they pushing that agenda? Got to ask yourself that question. All right? So even if you could get every surgery paid for by the government so that if you looked at me, I looked very female. Okay, I'm a male. That means I have an XY I have XY chromosomes. There are billions of XY chromosomes in my body. Every chromosome cries out, you're male, you're male, you're male. So even if I could change everything about my outward appearance, there are two billion inward witnesses crying out, you're a male, you're a male. There's two billion female, billions of female. Come on, somebody. God did not make what young people need to understand. And listen to me. 
Please don't take how, how hard I'm hitting this in any way to say that I don't have compassion for anybody that's struggling. If somebody comes up to me after service and say, I struggle with my identity. I have no, I don't have any condemnation for you. I want to pray with you. I want to point you to Jesus. I know where the answer is. It's not believing what this world believes. It's believing what God says about you. He made you male or female, and he did not make a mistake when he did it. If you accept the truth, then God can transform you. Did you know, and I got that answer there somewhere, just for those of you who take notes and you go crazy if you don't get every answer. There it is, all right? Listen, female genital mutilation is illegal in the United States. You say, what's that, Pastor? Well, there are countries in this world where they will take a young girl and they will basically slice up her sexual parts so that she can't feel anything with the thought that she'll be faithful to her husband if the pleasure is gone. It's sick, and it's considered illegal in the United States. But legally, we do far worse. We don't just mess with what's there, we take it away. Leaving somebody unable to bear children. Now listen to me. If I told you, or if you read an article tomorrow, that the government is coming through and they're gonna take every 10th child and they're gonna castrate them as a, way, as a means of population control, There'd be a civil war. You'd say, we live in a communist country. Come on, somebody. But there's another way to accomplish this. Make people willfully do it. Try to make them doubt their God-given identity. Make them think they'll be happier if they change their sex. And in the process, take away their ability to bear children. Think about it. See, you have two choices in your, if your mind is confused about who you are. Number one. You can mutilate your body in an attempt to be the opposite sex. And the health industry will love you because you'll be a slave to them for the rest of your life. Hormone treatments, surgeries, complications, or, everybody say or. Or you can change your mind. Huh? You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that repentance. Repentance says, look, this world may have confused me, but I recognize now what the Bible says, what God says. And God says he made me a male or he made me a female. And you can choose to lay your feelings and your struggles at Jesus' feet and say, this is my struggle, but Lord, I'm gonna submit to you and just trust that you're gonna work in me and you're gonna transform me. Come on, somebody. Come on, let, let me prove something to you. Anybody in the house, you struggle with alcohol, but you're now free. Where are you? Anybody in the house, you struggle with drugs, but you're now free. Anybody in the house struggle with, with, with sexual sin? You don't have to raise your hand and listen, but, but you're, now, you're now free, okay? Um, but, but the point I'm making is we serve a God who can transform, and it's no difference to God whether you're an alcoholic, whether you're a drug addict, or whether you struggle with, with sexual issues of any kind. He's the transformer who can set you free. Come on, church. Somebody ought to be shouting in the house. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole self, as what? Yeah, you, you lay it before God. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? 
Is our God in the transformation business? Can he do it to anybody? Then, everybody say then. Then you submit to God. You allow God to work in your mind. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Church, I tell you today that the sexualization of our children is one of the most diabolical plans the devil has ever come up with. Do you hear what I'm saying? What on earth are they giving fourth graders books to read that would make you blush as an adult? What on earth are they telling young kids you may not be what you were born to be? Okay, now listen. We, we have numerous people in our church who work in the education system. They're teachers. They're administrators. Thank God for your light in our schools. The issue in most cases is not them. It's coming from above being pushed down and says, this is what you will teach in this class. From, come on, from those higher in authority, uh, from school boards and creators of curriculum. And, and thank God for those of you who work in the educational system and you're, you're our eyes on the ground, if you will, to help us to make sure about some of this stuff that's happening. Mark 9.44 says this, and if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... And little ones literally means small in stature, which would make them children. It'd be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. What does Almighty God think about messing with kids? Yeah, mom and dad, it's important that you know what's going on with your kids' life. The books they're reading, the assignments they're given, you need to be involved. Come on, somebody. And if you need some help standing up, just come and see me. I'm more than willing. Now, now listen, don't, don't miss this. The idea of, of giving children hormonal treatments and beginning the process of transitioning them started in Europe, really started in Sweden. And it has spread across Europe into the United States. But it's interesting that Europe is now putting its brakes on this process. You know why? Because it causes problems. And it's not giving the achieved results, okay? Let me prove it, all right? Your kin trenches are backing down. Look at some of these articles. Lupron, used to halt puberty in children, may cause lasting health problems. Think about that. How about this one, all right? More recent. Sweden puts brakes on treatment for trans minors. They were the first ones to advocate it, but now they're seeing where it's leading. They're saying, wait a minute. We shouldn't be forcing this on kids, France's Academy of Medicine urges great medical caution in blocking puberty. How about this one, if I can get to it? There it is. The Carolina Hospital, one of Europe's best. New policies echo a growing international concern over the proliferation of medical innovations that may have a low certainty of benefits. If you look at the end of that, they're talking about hormonal treatments. So European countries are beginning to back away and say, man, we shouldn't, we shouldn't push this in any way on kids. But in the country you live in, no one's backing down at this stage. That's why we need to be praying. Why we need to be vigilant. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I say this, church. At some point, you, me, all of us have to say enough. Enough. Read an article this week. CVS came out with a new policy for its employees saying you have to honor whatever pronoun your fellow employee wants to be called. It's funny, it says in there, we're gonna honor all religious and all kinds. It says, but if you don't honor the pronoun, you're gonna be fired. So what did that tell you? What does that tell you the priority is? Listen, 
ladies in the room, do you know how far our country has come in issuing rights and duly so to women? Women's sports, just a lot of areas we've come a long way. It is all under threat right now. I don't don't think most ladies understand the, the attack that's on them. The privacy in a restroom or a locker room is under assault. Women's sports, as we know it, may cease to exist because transgender men will, 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 will dominate uh, women, women's sports, and it's happening even now. Amen? How, how about this article? This is craziness, all right? All you have to do is say you're a woman. Female inmates say women's prison caters to trans community. What that means is, listen, if a guy gets arrested for messing with a kid, they're not gonna fare well in a men's prison because even men in prison don't, don't like other men who've messed with kids. So they have a solution. I'll be a woman now. So let's say you're a woman. It's your first day in prison. You're put into your cell and you find out your cellmate is a man and there's nothing you can do about it. That is the world we live in. In church, there's two things. Number one, I believe we need to get in our face and cry out to God for our land and for our people. If you study the history of civilizations, the final straw was just unlimited sexual deviance. That was always the end of the trail before the fall of the country. Think about that. How many of you love our country? Yeah, then you need to pray. And secondly, there comes a time to stand up and say no. No, I'm not saying you need to be mean. I'm not saying you should be unkind. I just dealt with this situation uh, with, the school, with the school principal. Actually, I feel like we formed a friendship through it all. He, he, he listened to me. He was kind. I was kind to him. I said, sir, I know you don't control what happens, but we just need to find a solution. Can we work together? Yes. You understand? Are, are, are you listening? Amen. Why has the devil unleashed such a volley of filth upon the earth. It's really pretty simple. Somebody help me. Yeah, because he knows his time is short, all right? So he is, he is unleashing because he knows his time is coming to an end. He's about to be thrown into hell, and he'd love for you to go with him, but thank God we have a greater hope than that. Are you listening? Amen? John said it this way. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, now look, he's not talking about ice cream. He's not talking about the Baltimore Orioles. He's talking about the systems and thinking and philosophies of this world. He says, if you're a believer, you gotta see a difference between what God says and what this world says. And you gotta make a decision who you're gonna love and who you're gonna say, that's not for me. Are you listening? The love of the Father is not in him. Joshua, as he stood before the people. Musicians, would, would you come, please? And prayer team, would you come? If you're being cleared to pray, would you just come down here just, just right now? I'm just gonna tell a final story and we're gonna go to prayer. All right, just, just move real quick. I'll let you come in place before I even uh, tell this story. I just want you to be ready. Thank you. If you're cleared to pray, just, need, just leave the middle open. Just leave the middle open this morning, but, but gather on the sides. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for sickness, you need prayer for a struggle, they're gonna be here. But Joshua, as he was about to lead the people in the promised land. He said, look, I I don't really know what choice you're gonna make. We're gonna be going into a land where there's a lot of gods. I hope hope you follow the Lord. I I hope you stay true. But then Joshua said these words because he understood that ultimately all that he really could control 
was him and his household. But he said, as for me and my household, is there anybody going to stand with Joshua and his words this morning? As for me, I don't know what you're going to do. I can tell you what I hope you do. I can tell you what God's word says you ought to do. But I say for myself, as for me and my household, with the grace of God, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. Would you stand to your feet all over this place today? I'm going I'm to ask you to do something. Just a moment. If you need prayer for anything, you can come and see these folk who are gathered here. But I'm going to ask you to do something, even if you're not normally who comes out of your seat. I'm asking you to move today as a way of saying, in these last days, I'm making a statement. I'm standing for Jesus. I want to say yes to the things of God, and I want to say no to the things of this world. I want you to think of Daniel for a moment. A young man taken to Babylon, and Babylon basically said to him, we will inundate you with Babylon philosophy. You will be a Babylonian when we're done with you. Daniel said, not me. As for me, I'm going to say no to what you're trying to force feed me. Read the book of Daniel. Who won that battle? Come on, Daniel had an effect on Babylon, but Babylon never had an effect on Daniel. And I believe God's looking for some people who can do it again. Come on, if you want God's help and say no to what's coming down the pipe in these last days, I want you to get out of your seat and say, God, strengthen me, help me, give me wisdom. Come on, everybody in this house, move, move, move. This is no joke. The attack is on. The battle is on. The devil's not playing games. And he's looking for some people who'll say, come on, with the help of God, I want to say the right yes, and I want to say the right no, and stand against the evil of this world. Husband and wife, come and stand for your family today. Say, God, help me to raise my children in the ways of God. Don't let this evil world get its hands on them. Keep them, God, give me wisdom in raising them all over this house. Come on, lift up your voices today. Oh, Jesus, 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 we need you today, God. We need your strength, God. We need your wisdom. We need to not be fearful, God, but to believe our God can keep us and be a voice in these last days, God. Help our teenagers, God, to stand strong, Father, to know, God, that you are on their side and your word is true. Do it, Father. Do it, Father, all over this house, God. All over this house. If you need Jesus today, please don't leave without him. Please don't leave without him. He is your hope. He is your strength. He alone is the one who can save you, keep you from this wicked world. Come to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.